0: Dr. Sushila Naya is perhaps best known for being the personal doctor to Mahatma Gandhi. She can be seen besides him, supporting him and helping him walk in a lot of photos. Her story, however, goes much further than these photos. She was a freedom fighter who played pivotal roles in the struggles against the British. She went on to become the Union Minister of Health and set up the first rural medical college of independent India. Her political career and public health advocacy played important roles in shaping the healthcare system of a young and developing India. Sushila Dyer was born in 1914 in a small town in a middle class family which was devoted to Gandhi. Sushila had two older brothers, oldest of whom was Pyarilalji, who was already serving as an aide to Gandhi and was to soon become his personal secretary. She met Gandhi for the first time when she was just 6 years old, when her mother took her along to meet him in Rohtak where he just asked them to meet him later in Lahore instead. Sushila's so father had passed away and her mother wanted to request Gandhi to let her son Pyarelal return home and take care of the family. During the meeting with Gandhi, her mother could not say what she had rehearsed. Instead, she asked him to return Pyarelal after a few years. Noticing Sushila's non-Khadi clothes, Gandhi later asked her mother, quoting, Why don't you give this little girl to me? End quote. A request her mother denied. While Sushila was at a boarding school, her mother was often in prison for activities related to the Satyagraha movement. This brought her close to the ashram where she used to spend her vacations. She said in an interview with Fred J. Plum, quoting, the relatives were afraid to shelter the children of the rebel. End quote. So Sheila studied medicine at Lady Hardinge Medical College in Delhi, from where she earned her MBBS degree. She took a course of studies in maternal and child health in Kolkata. There she met Gandhi again. She helped him when he was suffering from a high blood pressure episode. On the insistence of Dr. B.C. Roy, Gandhi's doctor, she returned and stayed with him for a month to monitor his health. In 1939, Gandhi travelled to Rajkot and took Sashila with him as his personal physician. She wrote in her book, *Mahatma Gandhi's Last Imprisonment, quoting, I was flattered. But somewhat embarrassed by the title, as I was just a raw graduate, very young and inexperienced. When journalists approached me for the news about Gandhiji's health, I could hardly talk to them. End quote. Continuing the quote, Gandhiji was not the man to keep a doctor for himself, so I became the doctor of all the ashram inmates and the villages around Sevagram. I set up a dispensary in Sevagram and learn to train and use volunteers to fight epidemics and give medical care to villages. In this way, I was initiated into the concept of integrated, preventive and curative medical practice, and community medicine which, as everyone today agrees, must form the basis of India's health services. End quote. Sushila so completed her exams for Doctorate of Medicine from the same college in 1942. She was planning to travel back to Sevagram, but got a tip from her acquaintance working for the Viceroy's office that there were going to be mass arrests in the Bombay during AICC meeting. Quoting her, I had no notion at the time that I was going to plunge headlong into the Quit India moment on reaching Bombay. I arrived in Bombay on August 8. as the train had to do a detour because of the breaches on the railway line owing to heavy rains. The next day I found myself in prison." End quote. On 8th August 1942, Mahatma Gandhi declared the Quit India moment after a near-unanimous vote at the AICC meeting. It was a clear demand that the British leave India in an orderly fashion. Gandhi was arrested the following morning under the Defence of India Ordinance. Kasturba Gandhi was to deliver the first speech after his arrest, and it was expected that she would be arrested. Since Kasturba was not in good health and Sushila was a doctor, others asked her to go along with her to the meeting and expectedly to the prison. Kasturba Gandhi, along with Sushila and her brother, were arrested before the speech from Birla House. They were taken to Arthur Road Prison in Bombay. Before their arrest, a police officer pleaded Kasturba, quoting, "Mother, you should stay at home. You're too old for such things." End quote. After Kasturba did not reply, he turned to Sushila and said, quoting, you're too young. You should not go to this meeting." Sushila so felt that he was mocking her. After they did not respond, he spied and put them under arrest. Her first day in prison, Sushila so did not eat anything, despite being very hungry. She slept the whole way till the next morning. The jail superintendent had informed her and Kasturba that they were not allowed any contact from outside world. Despite this, she was not desolate, quoting her. I was happy that at last I had an opportunity to participate in the struggle for India's independence and to go to prison as a Satyagrahi." Soon after, they were transferred to Aga Khan Palace detention camp in Pune, which was titled the Luxury Prison, where Gandhi was already being kept. The detention camp was considerably more comfortable for them both. On one day in August 1942, at Aga Khan Palace, Mahadev Desai, who was the personal secretary of Gandhi and was being kept in the same prison, passed away after a sudden heart attack. During the following few months, Sushila took to reading books and reciting Bhagavad Gita and Ramayana to requisite strength and keep busy. After Desai's death, she took over the work of compiling memoirs of Papu. Her journal titled Mahatma Gandhi's Last Imprisonment describes her life during this period. A few months later on 22nd February 1944, Kasturba Gandhi also passed away. During this time her brother was transferred to the same prison. Gandhi and his aides including Sushila and her brother were released on 5th May 1944. This was done because Gandhi was in poor health and had a severe case of malaria. The British government was concerned of the riots if he died in prison. Sushila and her brother pyaralal spent a total of 93 weeks or almost 2 years in prison. They were released during the pre-partition riots. It was during this time when she set up the small dispensary in the ashram. Soon after, this dispensary was converted into a clinic donated by GD Birla. And soon after it was turned into a full fledged hospital named after Kasturba Gandhi. We don't know much details about her story during this time, but we do know that she was actively involved in the rehabilitation of people post partition. She was deployed by Gandhi in riot affected areas to serve as medical help and recruit volunteers to aid injured and pregnant women. She was also deployed at Noah Kali in 1946 in Bengal, where she tended to the sick and injured and postpartum women after the riots. She was often deployed alone during riots to work with the locals and source everything on her own. In 1948, Swashila was sent to Pakistan, a journey which was more dangerous for a single woman due to the recent post-partition riots. She was sent there to find out if Hindus and Sikhs living there were being harassed or were in danger. It was during this journey that in Multan, she learned that Gandhi had been shot. She says, quoting, The deputy commissioner had invited us for a cup of tea. We were having tea in his house when a woman rushed in and said, Look what this world has come to. They say Gandhi has been shot. I was standing with a cup of tea in my hand. Naturally, I was upset, so I sat down." End quote. She made a night journey back to India and on her way her dread was confirmed by Nehru's voice on the radio. Quoting, the light has gone out. End quote. She continued to serve the riot affected areas for some time and in the June of 1948 she moved to United States to refresh her medical knowledge. She joined the Johns Hopkins University to receive a degree in Doctor of Public Health. She returned to India in 1950 after that. Upon her arrival, she was appointed the Chief Medical Officer at Faridabad, which was a refugee township. During this period, she set up a tuberculosis sanatorium and became the head of Gandhi Memorial Leprosy Foundation. Eventually, in 1952, she was convinced by her associates to stand for the elections in Delhi state. She became the first Minister of Health of Delhi. She was additionally given three more portfolios, rehabilitation, transport and charitable endowments of Delhi. After three years in 1955, she became the Speaker in Delhi state with Sabha. In 1956, when Delhi ceased to be a state, she stood for and won the elections for Lok Sabha from Jhansi constituency in 1957 and then again in 1962. She served as the Union Minister for Health, Local Self-Government, Country and Town Planning from 1962 to 1964 in Nehru Cabinet. After Nehru's death, she again served as the Union Minister of Health and Family Planning from 1964 to 1967 in Lal Bahadur Shastri's cabinet. She also served as the president of National Society for Prevention of Blindness starting 1964 and the All India Prohibition Council starting 1967. She again stood for elections in 1967 and won, however she did not enjoy working with Indira Gandhi. Quoting her, I found working with Mrs. Gandhi was not congenial. She had a strange way of working." End in 1969, during the Congress split, she sided with the faction against Indira. Post that in 1971, she stood again for the elections but lost this time. Even during this period, she kept herself focused on her mission of rural public health care. She set up the Mahatma Gandhi Institute for Medical Sciences in 1969, which was the first rural medical college in India. During the emergency, she kept working with the masses against oppression. At a certain point, police started harassing her for her work. She recalls in her interviews with Fred J. Blum, quoting, On 2 October 1975, we had gone to Rajghat. The police surrounded us. They wanted me and Acharya Kriplani to accompany them. A request for which she replied, Without the warrant, I will not accompany you. Continuing, she narrates, So we sat there for about four hours surrounded by the police. And then the higher-ups must have said, No, don't arrest them. So they did not arrest us. When the Janata party was formed, she joined and contested in elections in 1977. Quoting her, I fought the elections as a Janta Party member and won. I am now working in Parliament, working for my medical institution, working for Prohibition, National Society for Prevention of Blindness, and I have been working since 1950 for the children of underprivileged people, particularly the untouchables and other slum dwellers. End quote. In 1995, Sushila suffered a heart attack, although her heart conditions and osteoarthritis did not stop her from continuing her work. She dedicated her life to first the independence of India, then public health and in her last years, public education. She became the Chancellor for Gujarat Vidyapeet and resolved the issues plaguing it from within. She passed away of a heart attack in 2001 at the age of 95. She never got married or had a family of her own. Public health was her only focus. It would not be disingenuous to say that her contributions as a freedom fighter, public health care official, and educator have shaped this country in its earlier years for the better. She wrote several books during her lifetime, most about Gandhi the work that she undertook from her brother and Mahadev Desai. She received a number of awards including the presidential award for her books and her contributions to the public healthcare system in India. Her life sets an example on how sometimes our lives are beyond our control, either for a cause which is greater than us or because others want us to be something else. She proved, however, that it is possible to rise beyond one's duties. Despite being involved in the most politically charged periods of Indian history, she stuck with what she believed in. Through her life, she was faced with multiple choices. These choices often boiled down to truth versus what was easy, and without fail, she chose the truth. From not avoiding jail and undertaking her duties, to standing up to the Mahatma himself when it was needed. She chose not to give in to people who considered her just a little girl. She did not pay any attention to the people who speculated about her relationship with Bapu. She even stood against the forces of one of the biggest oppressive regimes in the world. When the world was asking her to sit down or move out of the way, she planted herself like a tree, looked the world in the eye and said, No. You move.